I'm not really talking, I'm talking about the truth of that passage, I'm not going to talk about that passage um, because we're doing a series on Nehemiah and so I also wanted to allude to some things out of the truths of Nehemiah 3 as I had already indicated. Let's pray. Uh, Father, again, thank you for the opportunity we have to be able to come together as your people, to fellowship, to worship together, um, to learn together and to connect together. We pray that you might help us to be aware of that extra presence that you promise, that whether two or three gather together, there you are in the midst, not just within us, but among us. Help us to sense your presence. And I pray, Lord, now particularly that you might speak to us and you might help us to hear your spirit speaking to us and reminding us of truths and helping us to move forward in our relationship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? We are 57 years of age. Anniversaries are wonderful opportunities, as I said this morning. So tonight I'm just going to go very quickly. I'm not doing what I did this morning. I'm doing a shortened version of what I did and I'll stop and talk about some things and maybe change some things. Who knows? So let's go with the screens, Amy. I'm going to try and talk just from them. Oh, it's interesting. That's what I call tonight, the church that works with God. I didn't see that this morning. That was a surprise. Next. <laughs> Anniversaries. Anniversaries are time for us to do those four things, to rejoice, to recommit, to recognise and to remember. Every year when I have my wedding anniversary, I've been married to Rhonda for 38 years. And for the last 10 years on our anniversary, I have said to her, do you want to keep going? And each time she's been a little bit, yes. And this year she scared me because she asked me before I asked her, do you want to keep going? And I went, I'll get back to you on that. No, I didn't, did I? Just scared the life out of me. Anniversary is a time for us to do that, to look back and to reflect, to rejoice, to remember. It's also times to recommit, which is what I do with Rhonda each year. It's a celebration of how far we've come, but it's a commitment to the long journey. So too as organisations, as a church, you recognise loyalty and good work. So having said that, next slide. Whoops, sorry, go back one. You're too quick. Slow down. Um, it's a time for us to look back and to remember, as well as looking around and see what great things that God is doing uh, what God has done for us, but also what God is doing right now amongst us and what God intends to do in the future. Uh, anniversaries are times for us to do that. It's times to hear God's well done. <clears throat> do it again, to hear the encore. Like at a concert when we clap and we want the band or the whatever to come out and to repeat it or to do some extra stuff, we enjoy it. So the Lord wants us to be working in such a way that... Um, we are pleasing him and he wants to say, do it again. Our church, this church, is, I think, a very good church. Uh, it's a strong church. It could be better. It's not that we are without our faults or our weaknesses or our inefficiencies. Of course not. Uh, we are people. But there are many good things about this church and God's great goodness, God's kindness to us. There have been conversions this year, there have been baptisms, some of them rather quickly. There have been people coming into membership, new visitors, people coming and people staying and feeling. Go back a few years and people who came to our church would have said, um, I came, it's very hard to break into this church and left. You're not a very friendly church. Now people come 
and they will say, um, you're not the church for me, but you are a friendly church. That's what people now say. And that's because of some of the new things that God has done amongst us, particularly, not only, but particularly our welcoming team, led by our new director, Douglas Shim, who is with us tonight, who is leading a great team. Yeah, welcome. We could rattle off all of the names. Out in the foyer, if you haven't seen it, there is a whole um, collage of ministry leaders and directors and elders and whatever, all mixed up and, and, and some vacancies for areas. And you can see there's a whole diversity to what God's doing. And some of it's very exciting. The conversational English class, which has 50 plus people in it, where people are coming along to this church and they're trying to learn English, but in the process, they're also keen to learn about Jesus. And some of those people are now attending services and some of them are beginning to come to faith in him. The Mandarin congregation, the Cantonese congregation with Pastor Alvin's leadership, the uh, kids church, kindy kids church, kids club every year, I think God applauds with the effort of the church coming together. Carols is a similar thing. And you could go on and on and on. Brigades, youth, young adults, life groups, I've mentioned welcoming. The worship teams and the talent God has given, prayer and the world focus team, administration and the women's man. See, you could just keep going. That God is at work in our midst, that he's doing many things in many variety of ways for which we need to be very thankful. It's not us. Don't make the mistake of thinking we are doing this in our own abilities or in our own strengths. The book of Deuteronomy in chapter 8 talks about when God was uh, about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And God gives a warning. When you enter into the promised land and you start to receive all of the blessings that I have given you, don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget that it's God who has led you this way, that it's God who is providing for you. Um, he says that you're going to go into a, a, a big land, you're going to get a house that you didn't build, you're going to get um, a house which is filled with stuff that you didn't buy and put into it, you're going to get... Uh, wells that you didn't dig and you're going to inherit vineyards and orchards, orchards of trees and groves and that you didn't plant. You're the recipient of all these blessings because of the good hand of God upon you. So you've come to this church. Whether you were born into this church, whether you've come to this church like I have and you've joined it for whatever period of time and we are the recipients of those who have gone before us for which we need to be thankful. It's God who has built the church. We need to be thankful for those people who have gone before and who have been faithful. And it's now our responsibility to lift up the reins and for us to take it forward, to lay the foundation for the next generation, for the next group of people. So we have much cause to give thanks to God, to look around and say, Lord, you are doing many things. People are coming to faith in the Lord Jesus. Nehemiah chapter 3 is a chapter a book that we are working through at the moment in our church. And chapter 3 is a chapter we jumped over because, honestly, it's boring. It's filled with names that are not familiar to us. We don't pronounce them really well. We try. It's filled with details and with data which we don't fully understand. It's a list of over 40 names of people who are working in different sections of the wall, which are all named for us. And unless you've got a map, it won't make any sense at all. When you stop, though, and reflect and think about it, what this chapter is recording for us is a remarkable record of faithfulness. 
So I wanted to pause over this. Here are some truths that come out of Nehemiah chapter 3. Verses 1 and 2 simply says, Eliashib the high priest, so the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. So you've got the priests now working on labouring. They're building a gate. They dedicated it, they set the doors in place and they uh, built it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, name of the tower, uh, which they also dedicated and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho, those outside the city, built the adjoining sections and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. You go, well, that's just what the chapter reads like. Paragraph after paragraph. These guys, by name, built this. And next to them, these guys, by this name, did this. There is the mention of all different sorts of people. So here are half a dozen truths out of this chapter as you think about it. Number one, all sorts of people. Next slide. All sorts of people were involved doing their part, just like our church. All sorts of people, different ages, involved, all trying to achieve their purpose. And in fact, that's the truth of the chapter, the passage that someone read to us. Ephesians 4 talks about how God gives people, gifted people, people with gifts and abilities to the church in order for them to equip and train others so that the work of the ministry goes on so that we become like Jesus and other people come and join. The church grows. That's what the passage is saying. All sorts of people involved in the work. Number two, the chapter records for us that God values their work. He records the details of their efforts. And Revelation certainly reminds us that the Lord Jesus takes note of what we are doing. You might be involved in something in the life of the church where nobody notices, nobody knows. Well, this passage says... I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. The Lord remembers. That's a great encouragement. God values your work. Perhaps you're not even involved in the work of the church. Well, perhaps then it's time for you to realise that if you know Jesus, if you follow him, then he certainly does want you to be involved both in the work of the church, somewhere in the life of the body, but also, secondly, in the work of the kingdom, which is outside the church. He wants you involved in both. Not one or the other. Both. You have a role to play within and without. There's a beautiful verse, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, uh, where the author of Hebrews talks about um, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him by the love that you have shown his people. The way you treat one another, people, God takes it as the way you treat him, a consistent biblical theme. God will not forget your work. He values it. Number three, from Nehemiah chapter three. We have all benefited from those who built before us. I shared this morning just very quickly uh, uh, the beginning of a prayer where this person had written in their journal, Today I was warmed by a fire that I did not build. I drank from a well that I did not dig. I sat in the shade of a tree that I didn't plant. Let me pause and give thanks for the efforts of those who came before We are the recipients of those who went before. The founders of this church, the planters of this church, those who grew the church, 
we are the recipients of that. And not just to them, but to God, we ought to be thankful for what he has done and is doing. Number four, we, like them, were our fellow workers in the gospel ministry. They were doing something very mundane, very practical, very earthy, very physical, but it was advancing the cause of the kingdom. So too for us. We can be involved in very earthy, mundane, practical things, but it's advancing the work of the kingdom. These guys were building a wall with gates in it and towers, and it was this very city whose walls surrounded it, which was for the preservation of the Jewish people in order for the Messiah, a son of the Jewish people, to come into the world. And it's to this very city that he would come. He would ride on a donkey where he would be recognised as the king of the Jews. It was outside these very walls that are now being constructed where he would be sacrificed, where he would die an atoning death. It's out of this very city where the Apostle Peter would preach the very first sermon to the nations about the gospel, Jesus being the saviour of the world. Uh, So we, like them, involved in our lives, are to be advancing the work of the kingdom. We're in the gospel ministry. Jesus is using us to advance his cause in all the circumstances of our life. Whether we do it full-time, part-time, or even our spare time, we are partners in the gospel. Number five, God wants every believer in the Lord Jesus to be a builder in his work. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, it's on your screen, by the grace of God I laid a foundation, the Apostle Paul says, like a master, a wise master builder, and someone else is building on it. Each of us, each of us should build with care. He laid a foundation, someone built upon it, and we continue the process. And each of us must do so with care moving forward. Each of us need to be like this guy. Next slide. We are involved, we need to identify the gaps in our church and to help fill up. And on the board out there you can see some of the vacancies and more about that in weeks and whatever to come. Moving on. God is certainly in the business of uh, using his people, valuing their work to achieve his purposes. And his purposes, he tells us, is to be transforming people to be like Jesus. He's absolutely committed to it. It's always been his plan. And the church, the work of the church, is central to that plan. In fact, this was God's plan right from the very beginning. That's how he made us, in his image. But we messed up through sin and then he sent Jesus, basically, to pay the penalty for our sin, to cleanse us and to start to restore the image, which God does through all different sorts of means. He uses his word, he uses our personal commitment, he uses circumstances, he uses time and trials, he uses the church to help us become more like the Lord Jesus. That's why our mission statement says that we are to work with God in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus. There we go. To work with God. See, God's already at work. And God is committed to the process of transforming, changing people, because we need changing. We're not perfect. We need help. We need improving, we need assistance and we need to become more like Jesus. That's the goal. In fact, I represent it diagrammatically like this. The people are at various stages so you can't quite read that. But over here on the left-hand side it says that 
there are people who are completely indifferent to God. They're not interested at all. They could be atheists, they could be totally opposed, or just simply indifferent. There are people like that. And then there are people right next to them who are still not Christians, which is represented by the cross, the point of faith, but they're more in the, they're open-minded or they're seeking or they're questioning or they're wondering. I mean, God is at work in them. That's what the Bible says, that God is at work in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He works in people, convicting of sin, drawing them to the Saviour. And some of these people resist it, they suppress the truth. Some of these people are responding to it, all different sorts. And then the cross means that people come to a point of understanding who Jesus is, they accept him, and then they move forward. They are new believers, then they are growing believers, then they are mature believers. That's a nice, helpful diagram. And our church tries to have programs at each one of those circles. That's what we want to do, so that we can help you wherever you are at your stage of life. We want to have some activity, some event, some program, some means to reach people so that they can come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And if you've come to faith in Jesus, that you will grow in him. You'll be transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus. That's certainly our focus for this year. To, for the people who have come to faith, to connect with God through his word and in prayer, to connect with one another, but also for us to be connecting with these people, but people who haven't come to faith in Jesus to be in prayer and to be observers, to be looking for opportunities. That's what our church is on about. That's what we've been on about for years. In fact, next slide. Next slide. Um, next slide. <clears throat> Let me tell you about Rob and his Jeep. I read this story, and I, I don't know where I read it now, but it's about this guy called Rob, and I could have changed it to a VW, which would have made far more sense in my life, but um, this guy's passionate about his Jeep. And he, in the story, it says things like this. Um, uh, Rob was a person who was a Christian. He loved people. He attended church. Uh, he had a good job, but he was really excited when it came to his Jeep. He bought a Jeep. <laughs> Yellow and black Wrangler. He had engaged in a two-year search, researching and wondering which was the best one to buy for him. He joined the club. Did you know there's a Jeep club? He joined the club. He went to their meetings. He went to their parties. They have Jeep parties. These people need salvation. They went on, you know, trial runs and four-wheel drive things and so on. He often visited the website, apparently, where people exchanged Jeep tips. He was part of a Jeep community. They discipled him in the ways of Jeeping. He says, quote, every free moment was consumed. I was either working with my Jeep, planning a Jeep run, hanging out and talking Jeep with my buddies, or I was going online to check out our Jeep website. He attended church, but he was passionate about his Jeep. Anything wrong with that? <laughs> um, see one of the elders later they'll explain it God wants what are you passionate about is there anything that you're passionate about that really excites you that lights a fire within you that motivates you that consumes your interest most of us have something that does that 
Well, God certainly wants us to be passionate about Jesus. To work with God in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus. To love him, to serve him, to read his word, to connect with his people. Does this mean, am I saying that to be passionate about something like a Jeep um, is wrong? No, I'm not saying that. What I would be saying is take your passion which you have for Jeeps and use that in order to serve Jesus. Use your passion in the Jeep community to be open to and to influence people towards Jesus because he is the one who needs to be central. He is the one who needs to be supreme, to be preeminent in all the aspects of our life. Enjoy your Jeeps or whatever it is. But focus on Jesus. Don't make the mistake, you know, we brought nothing into this world, you take nothing out of this world. If your life is consumed with jeeps, then it's only for this life. But what you do for the Lord Jesus, what you do with him and for him, goes into the next life. He recognises, he rewards. That's the purpose that he is inviting us to be involved in. He's not inviting you to change your interest, he's inviting you to change your emphasis. Why are we here? Why does God leave us on earth? Well, to know him, but to make him known. And to make him known to others through our various passions. John Stott says it well, this will appear on the screen. If the church is central in God's purposes, as seen in the New Testament and in history, then it must be central in our lives. How can we make, take lightly what God takes so seriously? How, can we, how dare we push to the circumference what he has placed at the centre? Don't let the evil one deceive you and mislead you by being consumed with passions of this world only. They are here and they are to be enjoyed and they are to be embraced. Nothing wrong with them. But it is wrong when they become central, when they become preeminent, when they become the focus. That's where the, the problem comes. So therefore I invite you as a church, raise the bar of your commitment of your levels of focusing on the Lord Jesus. Focus on God and his book. Connect with him on a daily basis and listen to him. Make him central. Report for duty each day. Connect with God and his people, both in attendance at church and in joining a life group. But also, connect with God and his purposes. Step up, find out where you can serve in the life of the church. And, but also sign up to discover how you can better reach your non-Christian friends, those who are still not yet to the point of coming to faith in him, how can you have a conversation with them that's going to be meaningful and helpful? We had a guy in our 10.30 service who's been attending church for a little while. He came to me the other day and he just basically said, I'm not a Christian yet. And I simply said to him, how can a person who is as smart as you not be a Christian yet? What's stopping you? What do you need? What evidence? What question do you need answered? And so he's on a journey. He's been coming to church for a while. I said, is it making sense? He said, it's beginning to. And I said, well, you ask any question you like because the truth will certainly be found in Jesus. So for us as a church this year, God will ask you to do things. I'm very confident of that. And when he asks you to do something, simply say, yes, Lord. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. He'll tap you on the shoulder. He'll say, I want you to be involved in that. 
simply say yes. You'll be reading your Bible and something will stand out for you that he wants you to do, whether it's stop or to start. Then simply say yes. Don't be like. The book of uh, Hebrews talks about Christians that God spoke truth to them and invited them and said, get involved. And they said, no. I don't want to do that. And God will do things like that. He will say to you, I want you to talk to that person. No. I want you to stop this. No. I want you to do this. Too busy, don't want to do it, too uncomfortable, whatever. What God will do in his patience and kindness towards us, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, is he'll give you time, but that same invitation will come back, I want you to do this. Don't say no. The book of Hebrews talks about people who went, no, no, no. And they just kept saying, no. And their life flatlines, it plateaus. They don't grow spiritually. They stay where they are. They don't lose their salvation. But they don't get any great rewards and they, they don't get out, they, they miss the joy of walking with God and of serving him and experiencing the life transformational changes that come when we walk in obedience with him. So as a church, let's say yes. Let's give thanks for our church and for all that God is doing. But let's say yes to the Lord Jesus and get involved and do what he wants us to do. And everybody said, Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for what you were doing. Thank you for those who went before us. 57, 58 years ago, those people who got together and said, let's start a church. For those who have served faithfully for years, for decades, in forming the church and growing the church. For those who had the vision to move from Sunnybank to here, to purchase this land. And for the church to expand. And now, Lord, for those likewise who saw ahead and in faith said let's say yes to purchasing hope house and now we're on the edge of it again of saying what's next lord we want to say yes to what you want to do whether it's plant a church whether it's start something else whatever it is lord we want you to continue to work in us among us and most certainly through us help us to reach the community help us to work with you in transforming people into passionate followers of jesus and to the lord jesus be all the honor the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.